0: We are going through a series in which we are unpacking our new vision and direction for TFRC, and the purpose of vision is to focus on what we believe in, to give us something to rally around, to work towards. Uh, Jesus sent his disciples into the world in the power of the Spirit, and basically told them, go change the world. And they did. The world has never been the same. And they went to the world with two central convictions. They believe that the gospel is real, and they believe the gospel changes everything. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. For the early church, that wasn't just a nice story. It was something that actually happened. It was real, and it changes everything. The gospel has the power to change you and me, to change TFRC, to change the Magic Valley, to change the world. And the danger in the church is to assume we always believe that. But we can't assume it. We must hold firmly to it. We must rally around it. It must be the driving factor behind everything we do. And so we put it on the wavy wall over here so that every time we gather, every time we come into this room to worship, we will all be reminded that the gospel is real and the gospel changes everything. And because of that, We have eight directives that we are going to live by. They will drive everything we do, and these eight directives are biblical obedience, spirit-led, safe haven, meeting Jesus, transformed lives, missional impact, future-focused, ever-expanding. And this morning, we're going to focus on the directive of safe haven. Haven, And when we talk about safe haven, we simply mean that we are a place for the lost and broken to find peace and healing through Christ and the community. We desire to be an invitational place where people can come and grow in community. As a church family, we will care for and support one another as we follow Jesus together. Authentic connections, accountability, and grace will create an environment where real and lifelong transformation can take place. Uh, The passage for this morning is 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn there, or you can just uh, turn there on your phones, if you have your phones, Andy. Um, 1 John chapter uh, 4, the book of 1 John, is towards the end of the Bible, and so the best way to find it is go to the very end, go to the book of Revelation, and then just start turning backwards. And right before the book of Revelation, there are some shorter letters, and one of those letters is 1 John. Um, Our scripture reader this morning is Sid Perry. So Sid, if you can please make your way on up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives and we stand because we believe this is the Word of God. And so Sid, whenever you're ready, please read 1 John chapter 4 verses 14 to 21.
1: And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Sid, thank you very much. You may be seated.
0: This passage mentions fear. Uh, fear is one of our primal emotions. Um, whenever somebody asks me, hey, how do you feel? How are you feeling? I, I don't know. What are you talking about? You know, if you're going to ask me that question, at least make it multiple choice. Um, and so a counselor once told me that all emotions can be categorized in one of four groups. And I find these four choices helpful. Um, the four, our emotions can be categorized as either you're glad, you're mad, you're sad, or you're afraid. Um, Fear is one of our primal emotions, and sometimes our fears, they can turn into phobias. A phobia is an extreme or irrational fear of or aversion to something. Most of us are familiar with some of the very common phobias, uh, fears of public speaking, or death, or the dark, or of heights, or of spiders, or of flying, or of confined spaces. Uh, I personally have an irrational fear of sharks, Um, sharks just scare the bejesus out of me. Um, I've been, I have not been in the ocean for 30 years. I'm just afraid of sharks. I'm sorry. Um, there are some phobias that I find funny. Now, if you suffer from one of these phobias, you may not find it funny, but I happen to find them funny. Um, now, these are actual phobias that people have been diagnosed with. Um, one of them is the fear of relatives. Um, well, I guess that isn't that strange, right? Okay, uh, but there are some weird ones out there, like the fear of the Pope. Or fear of the color yellow, fear of peanut butter sticking to your mouth, fear of being watched by a duck, um, fear of long words, fear of belly buttons, and of course the most terrifying fear of all, fear of losing cell phone service. Uh, That's an actual phobia, I didn't make it up. Um, Safe haven, safe haven is a place where we don't experience fear. Um, One of the most common phrases in the Bible is do not fear or do not be afraid. God wants to create places where fear doesn't take a hold of us. God wants to build safe havens. And in building a safe haven, there needs to be a foundation. And the foundation of God's safe haven is the love of God. If we want to become more of a safe haven, a place for the lost and broken to find peace and healing through Christ and community, our first instinct may be to ask Well, how can we do that? How do we become more welcoming and caring and supporting and accountable and gracious? What can we do to um, create a safe haven? Well, asking that question, what can we do, is the wrong place to start. We do not become a safe haven by trying to become a safe haven. We don't build safe havens. God builds them. God builds the safe haven. We are called to live in it. To live in the safe havens that God builds. The foundation of a safe haven is not the absence of danger. Rather, the foundation of any safe haven is the love of God. If you go back to the passage in 1 John 4, looking back at verses 14 to 16, where it says, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. The foundation is the love of God. Now, I think a fair question to ask is what reason do we have to believe that God loves us? Now, if we grew up in the church, um, there's a good chance we've been told that our whole lives and we don't even question it. But when we look at what's happening in the world and all the bad things that we experience, that we see other people experience, why believe in the love of God? Well, the answer in the passage is the Father sent his son to be the savior of the world. That is how we know God loves us. That regardless of what happens to us, we know that God loves us because the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Now, for those of us with children, I just want you to think about this for a second. How much would you have to love someone to sacrifice your child to save them? Uh, Can you think of anyone that you would be willing to sacrifice your son or daughter for. Uh, I can't give up myself for someone. Yes, I would do that. But I would never give up one of my children for someone. I would go first. I do not understand um, the depth of the love of God, a love that would have the father sacrifice the son. And look, if we believe that, that the Father sent Jesus the Son to save us, then we are accepting this radical love of God that we really don't even understand. And if we believe that, then God lives in us. We have accepted this unfathomable love of God. And if, you, if we've accepted it, then we need to rely on it. Living in God means relying on his love and grace. It needs to get us through every day. John 3.16, many of you have this memorized. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5.8, which I know... Maybe not quite as many of you have memorized, but I know some of you do. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love and grace is overwhelming. Look, we live in a time that it is really easy to be disqualified. You know, it doesn't really matter if you're conservative or liberal. If, you, if you've done or said something in the past and it gets out on social media, you can lose everything. And sometimes we think God is like that. Well, if I do something wrong, God might take everything away from me. God is not waiting to take things away from us because of sin. God isn't like that. Here is what God is like many of us, if not all of us, either currently have or have had some kind of job or career. Now I bet if we were to do a thorough examination of your life, that there are things that you've done in your life that disqualify you from having that job or career. God knew in advance that you would do those things that would disqualify you from having that job or career. And he gave you that job and career anyway. Uh, Many of us, or some of us here have children. And I bet in raising your kids, you did some things that really hurt them. And God knew in advance that you would do those things that would hurt them, and he gave you children anyway. God has given you friends, and I bet you've done things that have really hurt your friends and make you a very bad friend. And God knew in advance you would do those things that would hurt your friends, and he gave you friends anyway. The list goes on and on and on. God has blessed us and we have done things that should disqualify us from any of those blessings and God knew we would do those things and he blessed us anyway. Think about all the things you've been given and then think about all the things that you've done that are just plain flat out wrong. Go ahead, Uh, think about those dark moments God knew about those dark moments, and he still blessed you. The God of the universe is relentlessly for you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to be our savior. He is relentlessly for you. And yes, we are going to mess up some of those blessings that God gives us. And God already knows about that, and he blesses us anyway. That radical grace that God gives is the foundation of God's safe haven. And if we don't accept God's love and grace, if we don't rely on it, if we don't lean on it, if we don't depend on it, we will never be a safe haven. How can we be a place for the lost and broken to find peace and healing through Christ and community, if we't if we don't believe, rely on, lean on, the love of God? The foundation of our community, the foundation of TFRC, cannot be what we do. It can't be reliant on us doing good things. Now make no mistake. How we live matters. Doing good things matter, but that is not our foundation. God's love and grace are the foundation of our lives. It has been that way from the beginning. Without the love of God, we would have and be nothing. God creates the safe haven. We are called to live in it. Do you believe that because God loves you, He sent his son to save you. Do you see that as the foundation of your entire life? Do we see that without God's love and grace, we would have nothing? So God's love is the foundation of our safe haven, and safe havens are fashioned free from fear. A thought for you to ponder, I've heard this many times from both theologians and counselors, um, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. Now, you don't have to buy that right now. Just think about it. The opposite of love is fear. You either love something or you fear it. Going back to the passage from 1 John Uh, looking at verses 17 to 19. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Passage says, In this world we are like Jesus. Now, in this particular case, this is not a statement about our behavior. It's a, this does not mean in this world we live like Jesus. Now, we are called to do that, but that's not what's meant here. It is saying in this world we have the same standing as Jesus in the eyes of God. In this world, we have the same standing as Jesus in the eyes of God. How much fear do you think Jesus has in his relationship with the Father? Mm, Let's go with none, (laughs) because Jesus is loved by the Father. And when someone loves us, the danger isn't that they're going to hurt us. That's not the danger. No, when someone loves us, the danger is we will hurt them. They love us, so they will forgive almost anything. And we've all experienced this. Um, Some teachers have students that they like more than other students. And so those students have less to fear from that teacher. Some coaches have players that they like more than others. And so those players have less to fear from that particular coach. Some bosses have employees that they like more than others. So those employees have less to fear. Now notice... What I said there, that the students, players, and employees have less to fear because the teacher, coach, or boss likes them more. How much less do we have to fear because of God's radical love for us? And as the passage says, fear has to do with punishment, In fact, you could argue fear is the beginning of punishment. A young teenager who's late for curfew, and they know that their parents are going to be furious because they're late for curfew. But before they get home, they begin to worry about how angry their parents will be. Look, the minute they begin to worry about that, their punishment has already begun. Sometimes we view God like an angry parent. And we begin to fear what God might do. So we experience judgment, punishment. If we believe in Jesus, we have the same standing as Jesus. So there is no reason to fear because there is no punishment. Romans 8 says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is a term little kids would use to call their dads. Uh, When my kids were little, before they got into school, I, um, and again, they didn't know any better, I told them to call me Papa. So my kids would call me Papa when they were very little. And it was great. Papa, Papa, Papa. Papa they would say, or when they would ask me a question, they'd say, Papa? Now, that lasted until they got into school because when they got to school, they realized all the other kids didn't call their dads Papa, they called them Dad. Um, And so one time, one of my kids, upon learning that, he came up to me and he said, Papa, um, can I call you Dad? (laughs) I was a little saddened by it because I loved the fact they called me Papa, but I smiled and I said, yeah, that's fine, go ahead. The new thing that my kids do now I don't know where this came from. They call me Father Chuck. <laughs> like they have more than one dad or something. What's up with that? You specify which father you're talking to? I don't, I don't know. But when they call me that, I know that they have no fear. And so whether it's Papa or Father Chuck, there is no fear there when they talk to me that way. They are comfortable with me to do that. Why? because they're my kids there is no fear in love there is no fear in a safe haven how much fear do you live in how much fear do you experience God builds safe havens, places where lost and broken can find peace and healing. Foundation of God's uh, safe havens is his love, places that are free from fear, um, and they are framed in love for one another. Going back to the passage one more time. 1 John 4, uh, going to verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Um, loving one another. Hey, love one another. That's a phrase that some of us resonate with really well. But for others of us, it's kind of hard to relate to. What do you mean love one Does that mean I have to express all these sappy emotions? Act like we're just one big family, happy family? What does it all entail to love one another? And while loving one another is a relatively deep, complex experience, I like to keep it simple. Romans 12, verses 9 to 17, paints a great picture of what loving one another in a safe haven should look like. I will read it for you. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now a quick list of what you will find in this passage are things like hate evil, cling to good. And so if you're wondering if a safe haven means we never confront sinful behavior, well, the answer is we do confront sinful behavior because we hate evil and cling to what's good. Uh, Be devoted to one another. While we confront sinful behavior, we are committed to each other even when others sin or we sin. Honor others above yourself. We find ways to lift up others in what we say and do. Spiritual fervor. We never allow God's grace to get boring. (laughs) We never take God's love for granted. Joyful, patient, faithful. There is no room for being grumpy, quick tempered, or giving up. Generous. Practice hospitality. Be excited to share our lives and stuff with each other. Rejoice and mourn with others. When something good happens to someone, don't be envious. Rejoice with them even if they don't deserve the good thing. (laughs) When something bad happens to someone, don't be happy. Mourn with them even if they deserve the bad thing that happened to them. At the very least, in a safe haven, we are for one another, not against one another. Associate with people of low position. While we have different social and financial standings here at TFRC, we don't treat people differently because of them. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. This is not a call to be a people pleaser. This is a call to be considerate of others. We will do our best to be above reproach in all things. And take one more quick look at that list. What do you need to experience more here at TFRC? What do you need to give more here at TFRC? We are already working on TFRC becoming more of a safe haven. For several years, we've had journey groups. The journey experience is designed to explore who God is, who you are, and what God is doing in your life. They are great safe haven spaces but they are also high-commitment small group experiences where you meet every week for nine months, two-hour meetings, two to three hours of homework before each meeting. It's a high-commitment small group experience. The journey leadership team is in the process of developing groups that will be safe-haven experiences, challenging us in our faith, but will be more accessible for those of us who cannot make the significant commitment our current journey groups require. We're developing them this fall and hope to launch them this coming spring. We will keep you updated on those. We live in a world where safe havens are rare. Like I said before, everything's become politicized. It doesn't matter what you believe or do. It doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, moderate. Um, You will be judged and ostracized if you don't tow the line. And everybody has different lines that must be towed. Safe havens are needed more now than ever. Imagine TFRC becoming more of a place that our foundation is on God's grace and love. And when you come here, you don't have to be afraid. Your experience of fear diminishes. Go ahead and put that list uh, from Romans 12 back up. And imagine TFRC being a place that hates evil and clings to good that is devoted to one another, that honors others above ourselves, that has this ongoing spiritual fervor, is joyful, patient, faithful, is generous and practices hospitality, rejoices and mourns with others, associates with people of low position, and does what is right in the eyes of everyone. Imagine TFRC, a safe haven. Please pray with me. And Lord, we come before you and we are grateful for your love and grace. Lord, I would ask that you would remind all of us how much we need to continue to rely and lean and depend upon you and your love. Lord, I would ask that um, as we strive to, first of all, just live in the safe haven you've created, that your grace would overflow from our lives into the lives of others, and your safe haven would just continue to grow in and through us. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.